The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Bibles turn to the book of Ezekiel. Thank you, Pastor Alex. Thank you, Hannah. Worship team, appreciate you. Been preaching a series called 2020 Vision, of which I will depart from. Um, I believe starting a new series, but we'll see exactly how the Lord will bring it all about. Uh, I've been inspired to preach the message to you. Today, as I had a, a bit of a visitation from the Lord last night, I had something else planned, and when I rest at night, I many times, frequently, invite the Lord to come and speak to me in dreams. Come on, I just He can talk to me anytime He wants to, through circumstances, through, through people, through His Word. I've even had creation speak to me. I've had birds speak to me. Well, they didn't fly up and go, excuse me, Daniel, I want to talk to you. That's, no, that's not happening. I mean, it was a song of a bird that was interpreted in my spirit, a love song from the Lord towards me. It healed me. I got healed. I've had lots of things in creation. All of creation speaks of his glory. Signs in the heavens and the earth. Beneath, he releases signs. We're in the midst of, of some tremendous signs right now. Ezekiel 22 is where we are. Tonight at sunset starts the Jewish New Year. It's called Rosh Hashanah. Ten days later will be the Jubilee. And it's a very important Jubilee. At the same time, on that Wednesday, the 23rd, will be another blood moon. There's so much happening of prophetic significance, it's really overwhelming. And you could get caught up in fear. That's why I just jokingly said, it's all good, God's on the throne, devil's been defeated, don't worry about it. Uh, but you ought to live right for God and know what times and seasons we're in. So let's read this text, and then I'll tell you about this experience I had last night. And we'll preach to you the word. Ezekiel chapter 22, starting in verse 23. We do have notes for you. would encourage you to use those, fill them in, and that way it'll help you to remember what's shared today and go and preach it to somebody else if you have that occasion. Again, Ezekiel 22, starting in verse 23, we'll read through verse 31. 31. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured the people, and they have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and 
and unholy, nor have made known the difference between unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Verse 27. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and the needy. They have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. I sought for a man among them. Would you say that with me? So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have recompensed their deeds on their own head, says the Lord God. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service. Now in the second here today, right now, that you would speak and give us living understanding. That you would open up our hearts and open up our minds, Lord. Not, not just intellectually, we would study and, and learn the context and the history of what's taking place at this time in Ezekiel 22. But more than that, you would bring application for us now, in this month, in this hour, in the year 2015 of our Lord. Let the effects of this service be far-reaching into eternity. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I uh, was preparing a um, rather intense message, not that this isn't, on the Antichrist. So uh, I'm not able to preach that. I felt hindered from preaching that. The Lord didn't want me to do that today. He gave me a dream last night, and in the dream, very clearly spoke to me to preach to you what I'm preaching today. So I would say it has significance, certainly for me, my family, and for this house. And I believe it has significance for our nation. The dream is very simple. It's not complex at all. I, is, is there anybody that, that, you know, I just like God making it plain. You know, it's a tower and the bird, and what does everything mean? I'm like, Lord, just tell me. And, and he does, mostly. <laughs> Sometimes it's a, it's a divine game of duck, duck, goose. In other words, he hides. Come on, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And sometimes you have to press in and really contend for revelation. And, but this was very simple. The dream is I saw multitudes of God's people worshiping the Lord. It was just joy-filled and and at multitudes, I mean, as far as the, the eye could see, I mean, they would disappear at the curvature of the earth, that many. And on the outside, I saw this horde, a demonic horde surrounding all of God's people coming from every direction. And it was, it was, it could have been terrifying had I not seen the next thing that happened instantaneously right after I saw the horde. I didn't even have a chance to go, oh God, or anything like that. I saw God's people worshiping, multitudes of people. I saw the horde, and immediately I saw this wall just rise. And I'm talking so big and so vast and so glorious 
that it was like the hoard seemed like an ant to a boot. You know, so as I saw it, I was just like, oh, no worries. I woke up immediately, and I heard the same thing I heard in my dream. As I saw the wall, as I saw the wall arise, I heard the wall. And I woke up and I heard again, I'm awake now, and I heard the Lord say, the wall. Teach my people about the wall. Now that, there's a lot to that. But immediately I began to think of this text, knowing the Holy Spirit leading me all along. Ezekiel 22 is a powerful passage of Scripture. And we're going to take a look at that today. The historical context and just some facts, all right? The prophecy here in Ezekiel came forth about 600 B.C., about 2,600 years ago. That, that's, that's, some would say that's a long time. It's a long time ago. The walls in the natural protected cities. So if you lived in a town or you lived in a city where there was no wall, I mean, you'd be open to marauders. You would have a problem if somebody came into the city. Somebody came to steal or kill or destroy. You didn't have a wall. You've got a problem. I mean, it's kind of like a front door. How many of you glad you got a front door? Keeps the heat in, which we're turning on right about now. Keeps the mosquitoes out. Keeps unwanted visitors out. How many of you have a lock on your front door? Okay, that's like a wall. And so this wall is a protective armor, if you will, for a city. And when the walls come down or when walls are broken, you know, it's a problem. Come on, if your front door was ripped off its hinges, you know when you would get a new one? Today. In fact, if it had happened before coming to church, you probably wouldn't come to church. You'd fix your door. If you, if you had a, ever had a broken window, when do you fix that? The day it broke. Why? Because we live in Alaska, for God's sake, and if it's in the winter, you better get the window fixed, right? It's not like, oh, I mean, you're going to put up some plastic or put up some plywood, or you're going to do something to protect the broken down wall or window or door. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? What's being described here in the text is a picture of a walled city, but the walled city has these gaps, has these cracks, it's these openings. Not safe for the city. Ezekiel 13, verse 3 through 5, uses the same language. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. Verse 5, You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle in the day of the Lord. So the wall is there for their protection. What's it there for? It's there for, for their protection. This is historical context and some facts about walls. It was to stand in the gap, was to make, a, make up a hedge, was to repair it, to fix it, to, to stand in the breach. And God was looking for a people. He was looking for someone to make up the hedge, to make up the gap, to stand in the gap, to build a wall. Some background now. Israel had been broken at the time of this prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. Jeremiah being a contemporary of Ezekiel. The time of this, Israel had been broken into two nations. You have the northern tribes, which is the ten tribes. 
and they eventually got smashed and became the diaspora sprinkled all over the world, and they're even now returning to Israel, many of them called Aliyah, returning back home, Jews returning back home. And then there's the southern tribes with this Judah and Benjamin, but it's mostly Judah. And that happened as a result of Solomon's sin. Solomon was David's son, and he was a man who asked for wisdom. He could have anything. The Lord gave him wisdom. He asked for wisdom. God gave it to him, except he became incredibly stupid at the end of his life, uh, having a thousand wives and, and completely rejecting the Lord, basically. And as a result of his sin, judgment comes to Israel and God says, I'm going to rip the nation because of what you've done, but I won't do it in your lifetime for the sake of your father, David. I, I need to just give you a little bit of a rabbit trail and say, listen, the way that you live will affect your kids. And if you live on fire for God, it'll be better off for your children. And if you live like a fool, then you can see destruction even come down to the third and fourth generation. Somebody say amen. amen. So for the sake of David, Solomon... He was spared, but his, his sons weren't. And there's in the north, Jeroboam, in the south, Rehoboam. Call them the Boam boys. I'm going to try to remember that for all of you rednecks. Boam boys, all right. Northern kingdom in 721 B.C. is destroyed by Syria. And they basically no longer exist from 721 B.C. They're, they're wiped out never again. You hear about the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom struggled. And there's this power politics that are taking place between Assyria, who's waning, and Egypt is on the rise. And Judah and Jerusalem are caught basically in the middle. And uh, there was a great battle arose, and that's in 605 B.C., between Babylon and, uh, and Pharaoh Necho. It's called Kirkamesh. How many of you heard of that? Great battle of Kirkamesh. You can go and Google it, Google it or look at Wikipedia. Babylon took Egypt and took over uh, Jerusalem. And that's the time when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel is brought captive right at that time for 70 years. They're in captivity, even according to the word of, of Jeremiah, but also the word of Ezekiel. And so... There arose rebellion in Judah, and the reason in the southern tribe there arose rebellion because there were these false prophets. In fact, there's four classes, four groups of people that were leading people, leading the people astray, leading the nation astray. And because of that, Judah was utterly destroyed and wiped out. And Ezekiel had been brought to Babylon. He's prophesying from Babylon while he's writing this. He's prophesying against Jerusalem. And the reason is, he's saying, y'all better repent. You're being led astray by a bunch of false prophets saying everything's going to be okay. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And Ezekiel says, it's not all good, dude. And he writes this prophecy to rebuke the false prophets, which fueled the rebellion, and eventually they were completely destroyed. Judah in, eight, in 587 B.C. rebelled because of the false prophets and were basically destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the city was leveled to the ground. Let's look at the text. Ezekiel describes these prophets like roaring lions, which is very similar to the New Testament words used for old, ugly one, Satan. He says he 
prowls around like a roaring lion. Same word used of Satan in the New Testament. In verse 25, the, the prophets talk, speaks of the prophets, they conspire, consp- the conspiracy of her prophets in the midst, like a roaring lion tearing their prey. They've made many widows. They've taken treasure and precious things, and they have made many widows in their midst. You know why they made many widows? Because they were saying everything's okay, and they rose in rebellion, and because of war, many women lost their husbands. And that's what he's prophesying and declaring. The prophets were plastered them with untempered mortar. These tremendous violent pictures of destruction coming upon God's people and God's city. Treasure. Things were taken. By occasioning through these false prophecies, they brought basically war. You know, truth and error are extremely important in this hour. In fact, in every season, truth and error has always been important. And what Israel was hearing, what what the people of Jerusalem were hearing was lies. Come on, if somebody told you, you can fly. You can fly, bro. You can fly. And I mean, I don't care how much zeal and unction you might have felt on the words, you can fly. Dude, you can't. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can't fly. So you could, you could sing the song, I believe, as much as you want. You could, you could even stand on a roof and jump off, but you will die. Now, there's planes fly, but human beings can't. There are lies that are being pervaded in this era, this generation, that were causing people to basically lead astray right off a cliff into utter destruction. Same is happening today, by the way. So he rebukes the, rebukes the prophets. You know, same sex, they would say, is fine. Same sex marriage is fine. It's fine. You'll find in the next six months, hear me. You'll find in the next six months, you will be astonished. And mainline denominations, main, the main denominations beginning to bend the knee to that lie and to that perversion. You'll begin to see apostasy come across the body of Christ, denominations and non-denominations alike. There'll be tremendous pressure, and there will be some that'll just begin to accept that and go ahead and embrace it. And it's already happening. It's, it's shocking, in fact. Now listen, we don't hate the homosexual, but it is sin. Come on, you can't call something that's sin not sin. And that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. They're calling things that are holy when they're unholy. They're calling things clean when they're unclean. You just can't do that. And if you do that, you end up in trouble. The priests were in trouble. They had violated my law, verse 26, and profaned my holy things. And you'll see that with pastors today. Not here. You will not. Just not going to do it. Take the 501c3 and do whatever you want. We're going to speak and preach the truth. Can you say amen? Soaked and steeped in love as best we can. The princes really talking about government leaders and, and kings and people maybe in, in the marketplace. Or princes in her mists are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood to destroy the people. The government leaders, the kings, should have employed the influence of their position to help the people, to minister to them. But instead... They help themselves. I will tell you, this picture is a perfect picture of where we are in our nation. Oh, but God's still looking for a man, and I think he's found some. 
When I say a man, I mean mankind. God's looking. His eyes are going to and fro, looking for someone whose heart is steadfast towards them, then he might strengthen them. God is looking for a man, for a woman, for a people who would step up into the gap and make a hedge, make a gap, repair the breach. Can you say amen? People of the land in verse 29 have used oppressions, committed robbery. By the way, I want to let you know that the entire church building is completely canvassed with high-definition cameras all over the place. We just got them finished installed last week. Outside, inside, parking lot, everything. We can see everything high def. We can just close right in on the person's nose hair and just take a look and take a picture of them. Praise God. Because there's been a lot of crime all around our whole neighborhood and even some we have suffered here just a little bit. We've had some things gone wrong. I mean, we're living in a crooked and a depraved generation where we're holding out the word of truth, shining like stars in the firmament. Can you say amen? Well, there's a lot of crime here in Ezekiel's day. And in the midst of these atrocities of the prophets, the priests, the princes, and the people, these four classes of people that he lists, in the midst of all that's going wrong, it's this it's line of mercy. It's, it's verse 30. Look at verse 30 with me. So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. I'm telling you, we are in an hour where God is looking for people to stand in the gap to make up a wall. We say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. What, is that? What, are you, what are you saying, Pastor? Look at your notes, Roman numeral four. The Word of God is truth. It's like a wall. The Word of God is truth. It's, it's like a wall. It protects us if, in fact, you're living according to it. You're living by it. You're knowing it. You're living it. You're sharing it. It will protect you. will keep you. will guard you. God will, God will guard over you. It, I challenge you to go look through the Proverbs and look through the Psalms and see how righteousness guides people's footsteps. And righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin is a, re, sin is a reproach to any people. There's blessings that God wants to bestow upon you, upon me, upon us. But it doesn't happen just because you smile or look good or you showed up to church. It comes because you have a wall. It comes because you're living God's Word, knowing God's Word, sharing God's Word. God's Word is a wall. And hasn't the walls of our nation been busted and broken down? But there's a people, I believe, in Alaska and in other places that there's a remnant, there's a people on fire, a people who are not going to compromise to say, I'm going to stand on God's Word, let every man be a liar, but I'm with God, I'm going to live for Him, I'm going to serve Him. Though, though the, a thousand may fall at my right side, ten thousand at my left, it will not come nigh my tent. God before me, who can be against me? It's not any government that I'm going to be manipulated by. I can't be purchased. I'm not a prostitute. I can't be bought. I'm not going to be yielding to idolatry. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. It's all right to get excited in church. If you get excited at a football game, listen, let me just say this. Look, let me say this. 
If you scream and shout over your fantasy football game and you can't scream for Jesus, something is wrong with you. Now, I'm going to scream and shout at a football game too. But it is crazy that people would go absolutely ballistic over a piece of pig skin. Going through a set of uprights. And they come to church and fold their hands. And won't, won't give a hallelujah. Won't shout. Won't, woo! If you're afraid to lift your voice, you might not have had a revelation of who he is. You might not have been impacted by the truth of God's word yet. But stick around. Maybe today will be your day. Can you say amen? Just saying. If you don't know the truth, you're, you're destined really to, to believe a lie. You know how they, you know how they, with counterfeit bills, you know how they, you know how they train people to know counterfeit? They look at the real thing. They don't look at fake stuff. They look at the real thing. And when they look at real bills, they're then able to, able to see the flaws in the counterfeit. You'll know the truth and truth will set you free. But you're only free to the amount of truth that you know. Living the lie, living out of accord with the God's word causes holes in your, in your wall, causes gaps. If you believe a lie, you'll be destroyed. You know, there's an epidemic. I heard some statistics, and I can't remember the numbers. They are absolutely staggering of how many kids coming from Christian families, I'm talking on fire, know the word, go to church every week, love Jesus, raised in, you know, it's gone to Sunday school, part of the youth group, you know, gone to camps. I'm, I'm, not, talking, I'm not talking about marginal, marginal believers. I'm talking about on-fire Christian kids graduating high school and going off to universities and at universities being confronted with questions that they cannot answer. And as a result of their inability to be able to answer the, the tough questions. By the way, every tough question has an answer. The Bible never contradicts itself. And if you do find a contradiction, it's only because you're uneducated and haven't been discipled to really understand what that really means. And so they, 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 they become atheists. You have these on-fire kids go, and, and their arguments are being destroyed by kids all well-meaning. They've not been taught to think critically. They don't have the answer. And they're not having the answer, the, the emotion of it, and the, the feeling and the sense of the Spirit of God, and their hair standing on end doesn't stand up to the, the logic that comes because they haven't been trained. Listen, you need to teach your kids. You need to build a wall around your kids. You need to make an altar in your home. You need to teach them the Word, and we'll help you. We've got great classes and groups and small groups and youth ministry, children's ministry. We have all of those things. But if you don't learn the truth, you're definitely going to yield to a lie. And if you yield to a lie, your walls are broken down, Bubba, and you're going to end up in a whole heap of trouble. Our only protection is truth, the Word. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God, and the Word was God. John says that. Hallelujah. We've got to somehow... Contend for the truth of God's word to permeate our lives, our homes, our community, family by family, and take our nation back. 
You say, well, that's a bold statement. Well, what else are we supposed to do? Wave a handkerchief and weep and hope he comes back? He's coming back, but meanwhile, take over. You know what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, Jeremiah said, hey, you're going into captivity. Yeah, they call me crazy, Jerry. They threw him in a pit, the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah says, Shaq, you going. And then when they come and they're camped on the field of Anathoth, it's fascinating what happens. He has to buy this piece of land. How many of you know, buy low, sell high? Yeah, that, that's a good investment technique. Buy low, sell high. So Babylon comes to take Jerusalem. Jeremiah is in, the, in jail. And, there, and Babylon is camped out on Anathoth all, all around the city, basically. And the very piece of land that he's supposed to buy, they're camping on. You know, you, it's like buying some land that's, that's owned or occupied by ISIS. Pretty bad investment right now. Do you get what I'm saying? So you buy a field that ISIS is, is made their headquarters on. Uh, no, bad investment. Unless, of course, God tells you to buy it. So God tells them, buy it. Oh, I'm, I'm fixing to preach here. I'm off the notes. So God tells them to buy it. He buys it. And he, how many of you know what a deed, a title deed is? So there was an open evidence and a closed evidence for a piece of property that you would buy 2,600 years ago. So the open evidence is that which you would keep in your, let's say you keep it in your top drawer with all the rest of your special stuff or in your safe at home. The closed evidence would be inside a, a vessel. And the vessel would be buried actually on the property. So, you know, four steps from the oak tree, they dig down about five feet, and they bury the closed evidence in this vessel. So if you lost, or maybe there was a house fire, or you lost your deed, you knew three steps from the oak tree is this vessel. You dig down, pull it up, and you pull it out, and you say, yeah, this is mine, my property right here. Get it? Okay, so God tells him, buy the field that, that ISIS is camped on. He buys it. And he, and he tells him, take the open and the closed evidence and bury it right there where you are, the king's palace in the dungeon there the, in the jailhouse. He does that, very unorthodox. He buries it. Do you know what happened? I think it's in the 1950s. The 1950s, in an excavation in Jerusalem, they found the open and the closed evidence of the book of Jeremiah. The title deed to the property in Anathoth. I'm going to tell you something. That property belongs to God. It belongs to Israel. You can try to push, the, try to push things back. And, and I want you to don't mess with God's property. God has a, a way of doing things that's different. Now, he says to Jeremiah, prophesy. He's, Jeremiah tells the people in Babylon, buy houses, Give your children in marriage, prosper in that city. Listen, no matter what happens, blood, moon, all the things that might take place, the shaking of our economy. Listen, I, 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 at any time in my, my life, and I'm, I'm, I'm a young man, I understand that, I'm getting older, which I'm happy about. I wouldn't trade what I got right now for my 20s, ever. Praise God. I, I would be afraid not to tithe right now. Because I believe there's coming a shaking. I don't know what is going to wake America up, but I believe there's a shaking coming. But even in the midst of that, 
still give your sons and daughters in, in marriage? Not to unbelievers. Come on, somebody say amen. Prosper. Do business. Build houses. Continue to move forward. Don't live underneath your bed wondering when the end of the world is coming. Because you know what happened is God delivered them 70 years later out of that and brought them back to, brought them back to Jerusalem. Amazing. I think he says the same thing to us. Come on, someone say God's word is a protector. All right, what, 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 is, what are some of the things that God is saying to us as a church and personally? I think the first thing is, you've got to be careful that we must not be like Judah. Don't be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived by the nay, naysayers. Don't be deceived by false prophets. Don't be deceived by the neo-Calvinism. How many of you know what that is? Or the universalism. I'm going to tell you, there's so much false doctrine being, being purveyed and declared out there. The ear, you know, ear-tingling preaching. <laughs> this is not one of those messages. There's so much of that out there. Universalism basically says this, and this is big. This is spreading all across America and across Europe. Third world countries, they got that figured out. They don't have any doctors and stuff. They're having revival. The dead are beaten up. I mean, they're, they're figuring it out. But it's a gangrenous teaching like the Apostle Paul says. Universalism is this, is that you believe that Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world. How many of you believe that? Yeah. Raise your hand if you believe that. That's good. You can say yes. I believe that. That's good. Right. Here's where it goes weird. Where it goes weird. If he died for the sins of the world, then everybody's sins are forgiven. You don't actually even need to repent according to that doctrine. And they're actually, that means you can do whatever you want to, and it's all good in the hood. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, it isn't. That whole sloppy grace doesn't mean talk about repentance. What's God saying to us? We've got to be careful that we don't become so comfortable and so pleasure-ruled or focused that we don't even know what God wants or what He's saying. Listen, God didn't come for you to be comfortable he didn't save you so that you could just be comfortable. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. wants to encourage you. wants to strengthen you even in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. Even in the midst where there's all these lies and all kinds of things going on. And people calling that which, that which is unholy, they're calling holy. They're saying that which is now wrong, they're now saying it's right. They view, it's whoever shouts loud enough, screams long enough, gets to get their laws in effect. But the, you can't you can't vote on God's law. You can't vote on God's word. It doesn't, you know, you can, you can vote in drugs as much as you want. It's still crazy. You know, they're, they're finding people hunched over their steering wheels, stoned out of their minds. People are losing their jobs. Listen, it's like alcohol, hello. You go to work drunk, you're going to get fired. You go to work stoned, you're going to get fired. It's not right. And, and I'm, I'm almost done with the, with the marijuana message. So close. I'm going to smack it. We're going to get after every point on that thing, and I'm looking forward to it. But we've got to be careful we're not like Judah. We've got to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be caught in evil, to make idols for ourselves. You know, Eve, she took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she ate. She listened to the devil. You know, I think that it, I think it took a few days, you know, some, a process of time, I should say it that way. 
If she had only come to talk to the Lord who would come and walk with them in the cool of the day, every afternoon the Lord would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. And if she had just had a conversation with the Lord, you know, there's this really nasty sounding snake thing that says you're a liar. And, 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 uh, and, and what do you think about that, Lord? There wouldn't have been a problem, but she didn't do that. And Adam apparently didn't protect his wife. And so she parlayed with the devil, had a communication. He lied and manipulated. And she went ahead and ate from the tree. It's not, a, it's not an apple. We don't know what fruit from the tree of the knowledge. We don't know what kind of fruit it is. And then she comes, watch this now. She comes to Adam. And here's Adam, her husband, who when he saw her said, Whoa, this is now bone of my bone. This is now flesh. Yes. I mean, you got to know that he's excited. This is different than a fish. This is different than birds. It's woman. And he's excited about it. And so they've been married for a little while. And I think he really loved his wife. But now she's, now she, in dying, she surely died. She bit from the fruit. And as she stood there before him, realizing his failure, I'm sure I've blown it. He has a choice. Partake with her and die with her or lose her. Lose her. Obey God and lose her or go ahead and join her in her death. Eve became an idol for Adam. And he, he knew what was wrong. He knew what had happened. Can I tell you something? I mean, the glory, uh, the glory of the Lord on them made in God's image. When she walked towards him with the fruit that was bitten out of, she had died already. So can you imagine the heartbreak of Adam Ah, uh, ah, uh, I'm going to lose my help meat. I mean, you study the thing out. It's just like, wow, he's going to lose the greatest thing that he ever had. Except he didn't realize that really the greatest thing was his walk with the Lord. And so instead of rejecting, you know, God could have given him another one, maybe. Well, not really. Because they both disobeyed. It was over. But he decided to join her in death and ate. Eve became an idol for Adam. In this hour, you have to be sensitive and very careful not to have idols. All right. Can you say amen? So not only should we be warned, I'm going to move into the, the application here. Not only should we be warned that we need to stand in the gap and build up walls. There's three things to do. Everybody say three things. Three things to do. The first thing is know the word. Everybody say know the word. Hopefully I, I shocked you a little bit. For those of you that have kids or going off to college, train them that they would know how to rightly divide the word and stand in the midst of, of those who would oppose them. But every hard question, ask anyone, how do you know the word of God is the word of God? Prove it. How do you know Jesus is God? Prove it. How do you know he rose again from the grave? Prove it. What's the difference with Christianity and other religions? What's the difference? Why is this one right? Why is he the way, the truth, and the life? And nothing else is. Prove it. Prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. Know the word. Now listen, you can do that at home. You study the word, but you can get involved in small groups. We have, we have 72 small groups and ministries. Get plugged in. Get pl Everybody say, get plugged in. Get plugged in. Know the Word. Everybody say, know the Word. Be committed to the Word. Be committed to church. You know, some people think that just going to church once a month is a good idea. Would you eat once a month? Okay, if you're fasting, you say, yeah, when I'm fasting. All right, wise guy. All right, awesome. I understand. I'll eat once a month on a fast too. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as a lifestyle. If you just ate once a month, you would be dead pretty soon. 
You lose the zeal, lose the passion, the fellowship, the camaraderie, the wall. The walls of our lives get broken down when we don't know the word and when we don't have fellowship one with another. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Be committed to church. Continue to come. Can you say amen? amen. Three things. Know the word. Second thing is live the word. Everybody say live the word. Put this scripture up, if you would, uh, my dear brother, James 1, 22 to 25. The book of James talks about this is profound. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Everybody say that. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Well, that, that'll teach. That'll preach right there. That means if you just hear the word and don't do it, you end up in deception. That's exactly what it says. That is exactly what it's saying. So we need to not only know the word, we need to be doers of the word, hearers of the word, doers of the word. Can you say amen? amen. Get to live his word. Don't just be, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, and deceive yourself. So if you hear the word only and you don't live it out in your life, you'll end up in deception. Let me say this. If you only obey in certain areas of your life and decide to disobey in those other areas, you'll still end up in deception. I'm trying to help you out here. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. And what? Continues. And what? Continues. That doesn't mean you're trying it out for a five-month period. It means you, you commit to the Word, you live the Word all your life. When you continue in it, you will see what happened. Watch this now. Continue it. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, one version says. Another version says a doer of the Word. This one will be blessed in what he does. If you want to be blessed, you have to know the Word. You have to live the Word. You've got to do the Word. God stand over his word to see it performed, right? It goes forth, it does not return void. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. But there's many people who just go to church but actually don't apply the word. I call them unbelieving believers. Yeah. They read, these signs will follow them that believe, but they don't have any signs following them because they're not taking any action on the word. How are you ever going to see somebody healed? How, come on, how are you going to see somebody raise up from the dead if you never lay your hands on a dead thing? So what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? Everybody say, know the word. Live the word. Everybody say, live the word. The third thing is share the word. Share the word. Now, ushers, would you help me with these? Please. We handed these out last weekend. This is going to help you to share the word. On the back, it says, pray. Pray each day for seven people on your list. And on this flip side... It says, my seven friends for September. I want you to fill out seven of the rankest sinners you know. <laughs> I'm half joking. God has placed people on your heart. Come on, how many of you know people that aren't saved and you're hoping they, you're believing, you're praying for them? Good, fill in these seven right here. Watch, you will see miracles if you'll follow through on this. And there's something about a corporate anointing, a corporate grace that comes. We're believing for 100 people. I'm not talking to come from other churches. God bless other churches. Praise the Lord. I don't need to transfer growth. God moves the sheep around. Amen. And that's okay. But I'm believing for 100 people who've never given their heart to Jesus to come here and get saved. So you write down, you know, don't, don't put the person on there and pull them out of some ch local church, all right? Now, if it's, 
if it's Catholics, I think that's fair game. And I also think, just saying, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, that's fair. That's all fair. Any kind of cult, amen. You can pull them out of there. Amen. Somebody say amen. Some Catholic churches preach and teach the Word of God. Some people believe they're a cult. Somebody told me the Pope's Antichrist. There's some false doctrine in there. I guess we'll find, who's the Antichrist? You want to know who the Antichrist is? I don't know. All right, good. I guess we'll find out. Or maybe. We get raptured out of here. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, meanwhile, let's get everybody saved, all right? So put your seven names down here, all right? And then on the back side, it says pray, invite, and bring. Pray each day for your seven people on your list. Opportunity to share God's word, for their heart to be open to the word. Pray these things. For them to respond to the invitation to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. The second thing is invite. In each of these seven people on your list, ask uh, which night fits their schedule. We're going to be doing on the 27th in the morning and in the evening, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, we're going to reach out with our dear brother, Tiff Shuttlesworth, who is a powerful evangelist. And I'm telling you, nearly every time he preaches and gives an altar call, meaning an opportunity for people to come to Christ, I just want to do it all over again. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like this magnetic draw of God to just go closer and deeper with him. And people just get saved. It's amazing. He's an evangelist. He's got an, he's got an evangelist anointing on him. It's tremendous. You invite people. You bring people. Drive to their house and bring them. Pray, invite, bring. Everybody say it. Pray, invite, bring. And I believe that we'll have 100 souls come in. All right? Would you believe with us? All right. Father, we pray even now. Bring in people who need Christ from every walk of life. Help us, to, help us to continue to pray that their hearts would be open. Lord, help us to invite them, have a boldness upon us to do that, and they would come. We'd bring them here, and they would give their hearts to Christ and be assimilated into the house of God and be big and strong in, in the Lord, that the walls that have been broken down for their lives would be repaired. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say, share the word. Pastor Alex, would you come, please? We're on the brink of a great awakening. Listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen. We are on the brink of a great awakening. Never before in the history of mankind has there been greater outpouring than there is now all around the world. Now don't look for it from CNN or Fox News. Don't look at it from the media. I'm just telling you, Muslims are coming to Christ in droves. People are having visitations of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus. He's appearing to them. People are coming to Jesus. They're forsaking their idols. They're, they're coming to the Lord. They're being saved. They're being healed at an unprecedented rate all around the world. And I believe that here in Alaska, that Alaska would indeed hear the word of the Lord and be saved. I believe that this whole state can be saved. It's under a million people. I think God could do it. He's, he's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for somebody who will know the word, who'd live the word, who'd share the word, and we, we would see his kingdom come in power. Won't you do it? Rebuild the walls of your life. Don't let your, don't let your front door be ripped off your house in the spirit. Take authority over demon power. Teach your kids. Make an altar at your home. Have a life of prayer. Have a life of, of the word. Know the word. You should know the word. You should become like a spiritual athlete. You know how you become a spiritual athlete? You know this. And I think the only word you know is that which you've memorized. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
It works for every problem you have. There's solutions and breakthrough, healing and deliverance, everything. Every emotional struggle you have, there's help. Every physical struggle you have, there's help. It doesn't matter what your human need is. Jesus meets every human need. I remember I had an anger problem long ago. I mean, the kind of anger problem that if you played tennis with me and you lost, I lost. If I lost tennis to you, I would try to hit you with my racket. Yeah, not, not cool. So competitive and so on the edge. It's before I was saved. It wasn't like last week or anything. Come on, give me a break. So I played tennis with somebody, and if they beat me, I would just straight chuck my racket at them. I wasn't, you know, that's not, that's not nice. I'd be like, ah! Little baby. Amen. You know, life went on, and I learned to try to aim at the net instead of try to hit the person on the other side. And I started realizing I had really a rage. I had a rage on the inside of me. And some yeah, oh, yeah, I was just angry, bitter. I was mad at my parents. I was mad at the whole world. It was eating me up. I started doing a word study. I got saved, and I still had this explosive kind of anger. I wouldn't throw stuff. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but what happened is, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I know, I know some of your guys' story. Don't look at me down your nose like, oh, well, he had an anger problem. <laughs> I got the Word of God about anger. I started memorizing scriptures. I did a word study on anger. And there's, there's a, a, a proverb that says the man who gives full vent to his wrath is a fool. Like a city without walls is the man who can't control his anger. When I read that one, I was so convicted. I thought, so like every time I lose my temper, it's like the walls come down and somebody can just steal all my stuff. That's right. So I began to memorize those scriptures, and then it would just rise up, like, and I'd be like, "You, like a fool, is the man who goes full vent to, his, vent to his wrath." Holy Spirit, speak to me through through the Word. But if you don't know the Word, I mean, it's hard for Him to speak to you. Then the Word works is sharper than any two-edged sword. Come on, know the Word, live the Word, share the Word. Everybody, say it. We're on the brink of a great awakening, and I am very concerned. If you look at Roman numeral four, oh, I, I need to say this: before judgment, always comes mercy. God always releases mercy before judgment. And I believe we're right in that, that mode. I preached recently about why judgment's coming to America. Listen, America's got to turn. Don't you cry out for God to judge America. We live here. Don't ever forget the fact that you live here. You don't say, oh, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. That might be true. However, we live here. Amen? So what, what does that mean for us? That means this, this beautiful invitation that he searched for a man. Is there a man? Is there a woman here who will make up the difference? Is there somebody here who would live for the word? Stand on the word. Know the word. Live the word and share the word. Is there somebody here who would rebuild the walls? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody who say, yes, I'm going to rebuild the walls in my own family? I heard those statistics about Christian kids just losing their faith in the universities. I'm taking another look at how I'm discipling my kids. We've got to get into some apologetics. 
We're going to get in and just lay it all out, all the different arguments of all the different faiths, and just try to make sure they got no chinks in their armor. You wouldn't send your kid into armor without proper weaponry, would you? You wouldn't send somebody into war without proper weaponry. Any military guys there? Are they going to send you in with no bullets? Are you going to be sent in without your, your body armor? No, no, no. And not just our children, us. Rebuild the wall. Rebuild. That's why we're here. Going to rebuild the wall. Can you say amen? The concern is that we'll lose the harvest. And I'm, I'm closing. Ushers, would you prepare communion? We're just about done. The concern is that we'll lose the harvest. The enemy will bring substitutes. The cults are on the rise. Cults are on the rise. I mean, like, never before cults are on the rise. Drug use is just epidemic. Heroin, meth, flaca. I mean, I don't even know what that is. I'm just telling you straight from hell. Unbelievable amounts of drug use. And it's all because there's, our society's bankrupt. There is no answers. Money can't fill it. Our mo- money's in trouble too. They need the wall rebuilt. They need truth. Know the word, live the word, share the word. Say it with me. Know the word, live the word, share the word. Don't let the harvest get stolen. God's got a time clock. Ushers, would you come please? He has a time clock. The culmination of things that are taking place right now, the odds of it falling the way it's falling are absolutely impossible statistically. It's the 50th jubilee cycle falling on a blood moon and a shemitah year and there's so much written about it and honestly I, I don't know all that much about it but there are signs and we're headed for the greatest revival that's how I see it we're headed for the greatest revival ever it's not a time to be concerned or scared it's time to rebuild the wall time to stand time to know the word time to live the word time to Share the word. Come on, say it. Know the word, live the word, share the word. Would you all stand up? Ushers are coming and they're going to serve communion to you now as we worship the Lord. Ushers, go right ahead.
time for everyone who fears God and knows the truth to stand up and be counted. That's what time is. It's time. Families make up our nation. And I believe one by one, we bring our families into the truth and live for God, serve God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That not only will we be protected in the coming shaking, and there's coming. You listening? There's coming a shaking. Everybody say, brace yourself. Okay, but you don't yield to fear. We're not of the kind that yield to fear and shrink back into destruction. We move forward with faith and generosity, knowing that we are the very army of God that He has selected in this hour. Men and women and children that love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in that very hour, God will put His words in your mouth to speak forth what you need to speak forth, to act the way you need to act, to move where you need to move. You'll be right at the right place at the right time. A thousand may fall at your right side and ten thousand at your left, but it'll not come nigh your dwelling. You need to worry don't be yield don't yield to fear continue to build houses prosper give tithe stay in the kingdom rebuild the walls though that might be broken down in your life don't make going to church a once a month event that's just plain stupid just saying it is right i know i'm preaching to the choir here but i mean come on get involved know the word Get involved in some of our small groups. You'll learn, how to, you'll learn how to rightly divide the word. Learn how to pray. Amen? And then you teach others to do the same. All right, as soon as everybody's served, we'll, we'll receive communion together. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God today, and you need to give your heart to Jesus because you know that your sins are not forgiven, you've not been living for Him. Maybe you drifted from the Lord, or maybe you've just never given your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a new commitment to Him, refreshed commitment. Come home to Him. If that's you, pray this right out loud with all your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place. Thank you that He rose again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Give me a hunger for your word. That I would know the word. That I would live the word. That I would share the word. Use me to fulfill the purpose for which I was created. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And in this likewise manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my body and this is my blood, which is broken and shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, today before you, we remember that you sent your one and only son, your only begotten son, to die on a cruel cross for us. We remember, Lord, that it's by his stripes who we're healed. We remember, Lord, that he is a propitiation for our sin, a ransom for us. And we ask you to forgive us, wash us, and cleanse us, Lord. Wrong thoughts or motives, perhaps. As the word says, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Forgive us. God, thank you 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we receive your forgiveness. We receive your righteousness, God, your cleansing. We declare your healing and we declare and proclaim your soon return. Even, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Praise God. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Glory to God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Did you get encouraged? Did you get something from Jesus today? Amen. Come on, let's close. Ushers are coming to pick up the cups or fragments. Once again, the communion tradition of breaking the cup started a long time ago. Feel free to smash your cup or not. It's just a, it was a picture of the curse being broken and we, we crushed our cups about eight years ago and it just stuck. Let's close today. Take someone by the hand, reach across the aisle. Church tonight, 6 o'clock. Now, the, the Jewish New Year starts at sunset. I, I have it on good, good report that it's going to be off the hizzy tonight. It's going to be off the hook. We're going to have revival service tonight, all right? Pastoring you and casting vision here in the morning. Our other services are mostly revival flowing in the Holy Ghost. You want to come tonight, do not miss tonight, all right? If you can make it, come, all right? It's going to be awesome. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Commission leaders meeting at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Hey, we love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.